Thank you to Ford Foundation, Templar's Law Firm, Open Society Foundations, and African Women on Board for making this edition of the podcast possible. These conversations are meant to amplify thoughts leadership emerging on the continent on topics and themes, including women's leadership, security, creative and tech power, climate change, trade, youth participation, and so much more. We believe that these modern perspectives will bring about real change on the continent and help us communicate Africa more accurately on the world stage. Hello and welcome to the Africa Soft Power podcast, a show changing narratives and improving realities by incorporating vital and unseen African perspectives into global conversations while strengthening connections with the global diaspora community. My name is Fola Shade Anuzie. Now, before I get on with the show, I want to take a few minutes to talk about the 2023 Africa Soft Power Summit. In case you missed it, hmm, it was truly, truly an amazing and beautiful event. A big thank you, or murakose, as they say in Rwanda, to all our friends, our family, our guests and speakers from across the continent and diaspora, as well as the people of Rwanda for welcoming us again with such big, big open arms and helping to take African soft power into the global stratosphere. Now, to see official photos from the event, be sure to check out at Africa Soft Power on social media or visit the AfricaSoftPowerProject.com. Now, back to the show. So, while I was at the summit, I had the opportunity to speak with several experts and pioneers from the world of law, sports, aviation, investment, media, hospitality, fashion, and so much more about their experience at the summit as well as the work that they do. And you'll be hearing from them over the next couple of episodes. And for this episode, we are going to be kicking things off with Ambassador Amina Mohammed, Kenya's former Minister for Sports, Education and Foreign Affairs. Second is Chike Obiangu, Senior Partner at Templars. Adefunke Adeyemi, the Secretary General at the African Civil Aviation Commission. And finally, Dr. Ozonia Ojelo, the Resident Coordinator and Representative of the UN Secretary General to Rwanda. Hello, Ambassador Mohammed. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Africa Soft Power Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. This is your first time at the Africa Soft Power Summit, right? Correct. How has your experience been thus far? Oh, amazing, actually. Amazing. I'm, I'm glad that it's only the second one, which means I'll hopefully participate in the... <laughs> the other ones. In the other ones that are coming up. But I think amazing. I think it's a, a very, very uh, safe space uh, for, for women to just discuss the opportunities uh, that are out there, the challenges that they face, how to overcome them, to discuss new trends, right, uh, new technologies, new initiatives, new products that are coming up. Uh, you know, so it basically uh, puts everything African, but also everything female African on the agenda, right? Uh, it also, I think, um, serves as a, a mentorship space, hmm? uh, you know, because there's a mix of, of course, us older women and the very, very young women. Um, you know, we listen to each other uh, because innovation and creativity doesn't belong to any one generation. And so we listen to each other. We learn from each other. Uh, we also uh, share uh, experiences that we've had. Uh, we share the, uh, the solutions that we've come up with uh, to challenges that are common to us as women. Um, uh, we also talk about our achievements. And we uh, refuse to make any more excuses, right? And say that we, we really are it. Um, we have everything that it takes to be successful, to contribute to the economic 
political and social development for our continent and that we intend to do exactly that. That's great, because I heard that on the panel that you were on, which is revolutionizing systems, women's leadership as the catalyst for change. You had your mentee on the panel with you. Oh, yeah. Claire has been an amazing, amazing, I think, uh, example to many people. Uh, she's really done well. And so we, all of us who knew her in Geneva as a very young lady uh, in her 20s, you know, seeing what she's been able to achieve has been incredible. Right? It's really incredible. And so really proud of her. I want to see where she goes to next. And I hope that, you know, uh, all the doors will be opened and all the roads will be paved, you know, so that she can actually achieve the maximum that she can she can achieve. And I think that's what it's about. It's about holding each other's hands, about pulling each other up. It's about talking positive about each other. Uh, it's something that all of us have to learn to do. Uh, because one of the things that I've had many, many times when I'm talking to my male colleagues is, but you women don't like each other. And, and I say, no, that's actually not uh, exactly true. Uh, I find that uh, I admired most of the women that I worked with, whether they were older, they were same age or younger. All of them brought something unique to the table, a unique perspective, a unique uh, way of you know, looking at things, uh, a unique uh, way of uh, even walking into a room, a unique way of engaging with others, a unique way of uh, problem solving, a unique way of analyzing an issue. Yeah, you know, so you're not only looking at it from one dimension. Yeah, exactly. You're looking at it from different dimensions. You're looking at it from uh, uh, the, the dimension of, uh, of an 80-year-old, a 70-year-old, a 60-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 20-year-old, you know. And, and I think that if you do that, it really means that you have a very comprehensive, uh, you know, way of, of uh, dealing with issues, but also a very inclusive way because you've taken into account... Uh, you know, the different generations, yes. the different perspectives, uniqueness, and, and all that. That's, that's well said. And speaking of comprehensive, you have had a comprehensive and amazing 26-year career. You've held various high-level leadership positions, including as a legal advisor, as a diplomat, as a cabinet secretary in Kenya's Ministry of Foreign, Foreign Affairs, as a permanent secretary in the Ministry of Justice, National Cohesion, and Constitutional Affairs of Kenya, and of course, as a cabinet secretary for sports, heritage, and culture in Kenya. Again, it's an honor to have you here. I love when I see women accomplish so many things. Now, my question is, considering all that you've done thus far and that you're obviously going to continue to do, I want to know what are some of the challenges that you have faced as a woman that you were surprised that you had to face? One I think the two. most challenging thing is mindsets of people that you meet. So you are put in a box even before you are hard. You know, so, so nobody gives you the benefit of, uh, of, of, of doubt. Nobody uh, listens to you. And, and, and the fact that some people look at you, uh, you know, I think they come from, the, from, from home, from their domestic spaces, with a certain perception. Yeah. And, and it's that perception that they want to carry with them throughout their, their professional life. And I think that that is actually extremely dangerous. Uh, because all of us come from different uh, domestic situations, right? We all come from different cultures, right? Although, I mean, the, there's an overwhelming uh, similarity in, in our cultures as Africans, yeah? They, they come with a stereotype that even doesn't exist with the older generation of, 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 of men, for instance, right? And, and I think that, that, for me, that was the, the most challenging thing to deal with. 
uh, because it's okay to to work hard. It's okay to show, uh, you know, your competence, your achievements, your courage, your you know everything that you you really you know bring to the table. But if you're putting it on the table with a group of people that have set mindsets, then it's very very difficult. Changing that takes uh, a lot of energy, uh, which could be put to much more useful right, work and much more useful agenda. And so so really, um, it's. Um, show i think of our our strength uh, it's a show of our resilience uh, that we are able to overcome that mindset yeah. right as we as we move on achieve our our successes and get recognition because i was never appointed to any of those posts except maybe one by a woman boss um, most of the appointments that i got to are from male bosses and so having to convince them that actually you are the right person for the job and them accepting that for me was one of the biggest achievements that women met that uh, you know you know presidents and Rwanda is an exception of course mm-hmm. because I mean um, we are here we have uh, an African president that believes in women and women's empowerment and uh, and women's capacity to change uh, situations to change economies to develop uh, countries but in many other countries that's not really the case very true yeah and so um, I felt quite very, very privileged to have been um, a representative, I guess, of my gender in all these spaces. And so I used them to promote, to increase numbers, to mentor, to uh, sit down and actually teach and train and, uh, and, and go over drafts together with the, with the young women uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, anything that they put on the table was well put out right so that there there'd be no criticism exactly. so and it takes that it takes holding hands it takes uh, uh, instilling confidence it takes instilling reassurance and telling uh, the young ladies that look sky is not the limit right <laughs> yes. go into the open skies yes, and nothing can stop you yeah. you are more resilient you're better put together uh, you are more comprehensive and holistic um, you are a natural, right? And therefore, you're able to rise to any occasion and do what needs to be, to be done. I love it. Now, Ambassador, my final question is, what was the last song or album that you listened to? Uh, when? Just, it could be in the past couple of months or maybe Actually, last this week. This morning, I was listening to Jerusalem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just this morning. Okay. Somebody sent me a clip, you know, and I, I was listening to that as I came down. Uh, because it's a very upbeat. It is. Uh, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very upbeat. And therefore, um, it put me in the right mood, I think, to be uh, together with uh, women like me. And so that was the last one that I, I listened to. It's a great choice. Hello, Mr. Chike. Welcome to the Africa Soft Power Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to have you here. First of all, I want to congratulate you and your, um, your law firm for making Chambers the 2023 global rankings as having lawyers in different diverse sectors. Thanks a lot. I mean, I mean, chambers and partners and a number of other directories are directories that Templars has been listed in for decades now. Uh, but every year we take pride in the fact that we move up the rankings. I think the last publications have us in tier one in most of our practice areas and also have lots of Templars partners listed as leading lawyers in their fields of expertise amongst the leading lawyers in the world. That's amazing. Now, why was it important to you that Templars came on board as key partners for the Africa Soft Power Summit? Okay, so Africa Soft Power preaches a gospel that we believe in as a firm, right? Amongst the many things that we do as Templars, we do 
sponsorships of things in the areas of creativity. We've done visual arts. We do sports. We've done film. So we have collaborations with people in Nollywood, etc. We provide free services to support creative industries in Nigeria. We support tech. And at the end of the day, what is driving all of this is not only the recognition that as a firm and as a business in Nigeria, we have to give back to the environment that we are in, both in Nigeria and in Ghana, where we operate at the moment, but also more important is that gospel of the importance of certain soft things about nations, the power of those representations and how they change perception of societies that used to be perceived in a certain, not totally fully representative way. So that gospel of preaching the need to project the soft power of what Africa represents is something that resonates with us as a law firm. And that's why we're here. Love it. Love it. And you were a speaker on the panel, Women's Leadership as the Catalyst for Change. And obviously, there are lots of challenges that women face, particularly in their professional lives as, you know, working women. Can you share some of the initiatives and maybe policies that Templars has taken to ensure that it's empowering its female lawyers? Okay, I think there's a number of things to talk about when it comes to women in the workplace, right? And in professional services firms. There's the notorious fact that at the point of entry, you may have parity between men and women, or you may even have more women than men at the start. And then obviously life happens, and as people progress up the ladder, you have certain challenges around uh, family life, having kids, etc. And so it was important for us as a firm to take a look at the attrition of women in the work workspace as they progress along the years, and to see what changes we could introduce to ensure that we retain women regardless of those sometimes inescapable, you know, variations in along the, the cycle of life. So it is initiatives around flexibility for women. It is, and flexibility is not just about flexibility of time. We've also gone one step further and looked at flexibility of location. So we're proud to have people who work for us who are in geographies where we don't exist and where we have no ambitions to go. But we have those people working for us from those places and they do well and productive, productivity is not an issue. That's really cool. Now, final question as we wrap it up is, you know, actually, I want to go back to that because I think that's a very important point because I think I saw a study um, about how a lot of lawyers, female lawyers, when they get to the mid-tier, they drop off because like you talked about, they have, whether it's family, whether it's childcare, where they work and not just accommodate them. So that's really amazing to hear that you actually do that with um, with Templars. Absolutely. And, and another thing that we've also done is also target those women who have either been excluded or who have excluded themselves on account of some of these challenges. So you find that there may be people who, because of circumstance of marriage, relocation, etc., have a lot to give, but do not have structures that enable them to give. So hand in hand with ensuring that you retain the people that you hire so that they do not leave the profession just because they get married, have kids, have other priorities. You also are looking at that resource pool 
of people who are outside the system. Some of them have had kids now, yeah. but maybe because of a long period of absence, they don't really feel that they fit in anymore. So targeting those people and providing roles for them that reintegrate them into the law firm business and also enables them to get into leadership positions is also an initiative that is extremely important and uh, impactful for us. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, and I say that as a lawyer, I'm not, I'm not practicing, um, but it's just really great to hear that because we need, we need more women lawyers in, 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 in the legal space. Now, how has your experience been at the summit? This is my first um, summit, summit, but it's not our first interaction true. with yes. yeah. Africa Soft Power. Yes, I mean, we did true. the event in Accra earlier yes. in the year, um, and I'd also been a speaker at the Africa Women on Board um, event, um, I think in 2021. So we're very familiar with the brand, but this is my first Africa Soft Power Summit. It's been amazing. I mean, today is day one, but the panel that I was on, amazing women, it was illuminating to sit with those women and hear their perspectives. It was interesting to see a mentor and a mentee come together. And I, I, I wonder if in putting the panels together, they thought about you guys that. actually knew <laughs> that those people had that relationship. Mm -hmm. It was just amazing to be in that company and hear different ideas. And it's always very good when you're embarking on certain initiatives to see real life, other people's experience. And that helps to validate some of the things that you're championing, but also helps you question things that may not necessarily be going right. So it, it's, it's a useful give and take yeah. that I've benefited from, from today's session. And our final question before we wrap it up is, what was the last song or album you listened to before? Probably coming here. Or maybe coming here. That's interesting. The last <laughs> song. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Mr. Chike, yeah. are you going to say that you don't listen to songs? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm trying to remember the Davido song about uh, Unavailable. Unavailable. That's yeah. the one. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I, I, everybody loves that song. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank it was you. a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Hello, Adebonke Adeyemi, madam. Welcome to the Africa Sofa podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. I was asking you before we came on, how would you like to be addressed? And I fumbled what you told me to do. <laughs> and it's all good because I just want to be me. Yeah. See, I love that. I really do because I feel like sometimes titles kind of create unnecessary pressure sometimes. It's true. And they get in the way. They really do. Because yes, you're like, yes. uh, should I say this? Should I? Yeah. Yes. So this is your first time at the Africa Sofa Summit, right? Yes, it is. What has your experience been thus far? So first of all, I know the, the founder of this event and this conversation. And I remember, you know, talking with Inkiru many years ago about, you know, the issues that we think are important to this world and the issues around women and how it's important for us to not, not just change the narrative, but also to, to do the work in a different way. And so Every time she invited me, um, th this is the f my first time coming, but it's not my first time getting invited. Uh, just that I wasn't able to make it. Every time she invited me, it's something that I really wanted to do because it made so much sense to me and it resonated with me. Now, thus far, I mean, so far, you know, we've, we've had the first day and we just broke for lunch and it's been excellent so far. We've had really, really important conversations around how, you know, women can become real catalysts for change, how we change the narrative from, you know, the typical... Uh, uh, sort of negative and weak references to women on the continent to more powerful uh, references 
also how we ensure that the right policies are put in place and systems and structures to ensure that we can entrench this and change the dynamic and change the numbers and change the, the, the narrative. And of course, you know, we've talked about money as well. We've talked about investing. We've talked about what investors want to see, the kind of investing. There's so much to do around this conversation. So it's been a really, really excellent experience so far. Now you talked about the panel that you spoke on. Was there anything that someone on your panel said that just stuck out to you and that you're going to carry forward as you move out, move on through the year? You know, for me, I think it really... It was someone who sort of amplified what I had said on, on in my opening remarks about the fact that women needed to feel more entitled than we currently do. I mean, we have all kinds of issues that are working against us, including ourselves, the unconscious biases, the imposter syndrome, the this and that, so many labels. And so the only way to you know, really, really try to make a big difference is the entitlement. But I really love the, the man on our panel, Chike, mm -hmm. who mentioned that, you know, that entitlement mindset is really important to address all of these conditioning that we currently have. And I think that really stuck that really stuck out. I also like what the excellency, the former minister of, of sports of Kenya, Amina Mohammed, said about the role of policy systems and institutions in entrenching the issue and making sure that we can actually make a difference. And you know, it's one thing to talk about it, but if you don't have systems and structures in place, it just won't happen. You can't leave it to chance, is what I had said earlier. And putting systems and structures in place is one of the ways of ensuring that you're minimizing, you know, somebody just deciding that it's a good idea um, and doing it properly. And the other thing that resonated was um, Claire, when she mentioned the fact that we just have to be ourselves, you know, just remaining authentic. But you know, that authenticity, and she mentioned it as well, you know, it comes almost at a price. Mm -hmm. You almost have to have proved yourself because before you can be allowed to truly be yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know when you know when poets are, are, are preaching and then the audience is snapping. <laughs> <laughs> you're preaching the gospel, man, and you're really preaching the gospel. Because for me, like you said, if you start from the government, it has that trickle-down effect. Mm -hmm. If people see that the government is being intentional absolutely. about these policies. And, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's really important. And, and again, you know, we've talked about some people say, oh, these quota systems, you know, there's a debate about them. Do they work or don't they work? Okay, we have quota systems when it comes to where you are from in a country. We have quota systems when it comes to religion or politics or whatever, ethnicity. Yeah. So why can't we have quota systems about this particular issue? And so even if it starts out as being tokenism, even though I don't believe in that, I actually believe that people, you know, we shouldn't get it just because. But again, it's, we're entitled to. It's our right. And so the point is, you know, let it do. Let's start from there first, and let there be a token. And we 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 heard earlier in the panel before us that there was a, a law that was passed in one of the the states in the USA that said that for every corporate board there had to be at least one female member. And then the law was eventually re reversed because if they felt it was discriminatory. I mean, imagine such a thing. Think about that, right? And that's the entrenched mindset globally across the world that. You know, why should you even want to be at the table? Why should you even want to have a regulation that allows you to be at the table? 
And so the, the change really starts with us. As a group, we've got to make sure that across all opportunities that we have, wherever there are women who can drive policy change and who can, you know, advocate for that change as well, we do it. Yeah, totally. Final question before I let you go is, obviously, you're the Secretary, Secretary General of the African Civil Aviation Commission. And one of the pressing issues we have on the continent, as you are well aware, is the issue of intra-Africa travel. It is so expensive. <laughs> it is so cumbersome. So I want to just find out in your role, your new role, what are some of the policies you're going to be, maybe you, you, you may not be able to say that right now, but what are some of the things you're looking to help change when it comes to helping um, African aviation, the aviation industry get to where it needs to get? Sure. Absolutely. It's, it's such an important point and it's really the, at the core of the work that we're doing right now at the African Civil Aviation Commission. So first of all, you know, it's a continental body, so it's looking at all of the continents of Africa. And the, the issue is, first of all, how can we connect Africa better? Also, how can we ensure that that connectivity does not come at such a price that makes it inaccessible to most Africans, first and foremost, yes. and then to the rest of the world? And it's a big issue. I mean, there's so many elements to it. But we've you know, come up with an initiative now called the Single African Air Transport Market pilot implementation project, where we're taking a group of countries that are ready and willing to proceed with accelerating um, the implementation of this initiative. And we're working with them to try to address some of those challenges and bottlenecks. Thank Our final question is, what was the last song or album that you listened to? So uh, this morning, was it last, no, last night, I heard What's Going On uh -huh. by Marvin Gaye. Yes. And I was humming it and singing it to myself. And the person that, who was beside me said, this song was such a powerful song of change at the time. Hmm. And honestly, the message in that song is universal, it's timeless. And it just shows the boldness that people had then. And you know, it made me think, especially this is a message now to you, the younger generation, you know, well done you, because you're bolder than we are. And I don't know whether it was our conditioning, it was the way that we were socialized, the way we were educated, but somehow, you know, we just didn't rise, stand up really for a lot of things that we should have stood up for. But the younger people are doing that. And you know, that song just took me from then <laughs> yeah. to now. Yeah. And honestly, it, it was a message that we need to be bold and we need to stand up for change. Yeah. Hello, Dr. Ozonia. Welcome to the Africa Soft Power Podcast. Thank you very much, Jashade. You were correcting me that like, your name is not Dr. Ozonaya, and you were letting me know that um, that's what people from Imo State say. And I was telling you that I'm actually from Imo State. I haven't been there before. So my apologies for kind of giving you a new name, sir. That's fine. It's just different uh, pronunciations of the name, uh, you know, which are caused in many cultures anyway. Yes. yes. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, sir. Thank you. So this is your first time at the Africa Soft Power Summit, right? Indeed it is. You have a session coming up with the OP of Onitra, which is about culture. It's not an excuse. But obviously you're here early. Have you had the chance to check out some of the other panels? Yes, I've been there actually since it started because I think this is a really fascinating conversation uh, that's overdue to be had in Africa. But most importantly, it's a conversation that has become necessary as Africa transforms and reinvents itself. The big ticket challenges around the world mean that we need a new set of conversations about not just empowering the women, but also about transforming our societies and the role that women play in doing that. So I think the content that's been developed for Africa Super Summit this week, it's a groundbreaking, it's cutting edge conversations. 
So I thought I would benefit myself from listening to some of the panels that have taken place so far. That's great. And I want you to just speak briefly because the people who may be listening and they don't really know what your job entails. So you are the resident coordinator and represent representative of the UN Secretary General to Rwanda. Can you just share briefly what your job entails? Thank you. In, uh, in many in developing countries, uh, the UN is present. Uh, so UN presences are in about 170 countries around the world. Um, but UN country teams are in about 130 countries. A UN country team composes of all the United Nations agencies in that country. And they are led by a resident coordinator, who's also the representative of the UN Secretary General. In Rwanda, there are 22 United Nations agencies. So my role is to lead the totality of the United Nations system in articulating a compelling narrative of what we support the government of Rwanda to do in terms of their own national development. So we'll look at the comparative advantage of the UN system, and we, together with government, we agree on the most important areas that think the UN can add value. A lot of it is an upstream work, policy analysis, policy advisory, strategic thinking, strategic planning, design, uh, development of financing options for national development initiatives. So we develop that and we sign a document with the government that covers our work for five years. Then I am primarily accountable to the government of that country for how the United Nations system delivers on those plans. And then different agencies are accountable to their line ministries, but also to their agency leadership for what they do. So in Rwanda, we have 22 United Nations agencies. Our current plan, which will expire in June next year, is about $631 million over the last five years. So that's part of my accountability. Then, of course, I champion UN normative issues or human rights protection of minorities, inclusion of different groups. So there's a voice that's attached to the work of being a resident coordinator. Very often that voice is used in, in meetings with government to champion basic many issues, encourage them to step up to international instruments and commitments that they have signed, but also in advocating on behalf of the government, what are the international development partners, that the voices of the government and the people are heard, their priorities respected, and that I support in mobilizing international support and international financing for the priorities of the government and the people of my host country. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. You know, the reason why I say wow is because a lot of times when you see people in your position, it just seems like... Okay, that's a cool position and it's obviously high level, but we don't really know what that is. So thank yeah. you so much for breaking that down. Thank you. And you talked about how it's so important for you to be here. What are one or two takeaways that you have heard that have stuck with you? Well, the first one is uh, something that I will interrogate in the afternoon when I interview His uh, Royal Highness Diobia Furnisher about the role of culture in governance. Because transformation and empowerment of women, gender equality and women's empowerment occurs because... Uh, there's an obligation and accountability for leadership to develop the instruments, legal instruments, policy instruments, strategies that can make that happen. And to recognize that this is not instant coffee. Patriarchy approaches have been embedded in our systems for generations. So to unbundle them, uh, you should anticipate there will be resistance and opposition from different quarters in society. So it does, you know, the conversation has centered around the range of things that ought to be done. So not just an expectation for women to stand up and be counted, but that there's a role in leadership, in governing structures and systems to unbundle what you call the structural pillars that undermine women's empowerment and gender equality. And that the research evidence is that a society transforms when it empowers a woman. The economy transforms when it empowers a woman. So all of the evidence allows us to conclude 
that when women engage in the workforce, for example, you have a quantum leap in economic benefits, and that the many parts of our society that women devote a lot of their energies to, you, you don't quantify them. They care economy, looking after children, looking after family members. Yes, if you quantify person. that, that's a lot of money. Yes, so women are disproportionately affected by all of those issues, and our society today requires that we do a lot to open up those spaces and to empower and support women. These are some of the strengths that have come through so far in the conversations. And I think they're really refreshing, you know, conversation to have. I love that, Dr. Zonia. See, I got that. <laughs> All right, before I wrap up, sir, what is one, I've been asking everybody who's come here, what is one song or album that you have been listening to? Ah, my goodness. I, I, I love jazz music. And I'm learning to play the alto saxophone, as a matter of fact. I have many jazz favorites from George Benson, Groover Washington, you know, my goodness, a whole list of it that I can't even recount. Yeah. And I have a streaming app that just plays, seems like it knows what I want. So literally every day plays me in many of the songs from my favorite jazz musicians. Yes, yeah. that's awesome to know. Yes. Well, Dr. Ozonia, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you to all our guests on this episode and thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Africa Soft Power, visit africasoftpower.com. Also check out Africa Soft Power on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Africa Soft Power. This episode is produced and edited by Fola Shade Anozie. Music for the show is provided by Imodu Ayonote. And the show's executive producer is Dr. Inkiru Balong. Till next time, thank you for listening.